Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. Well, every year about this time, we're inundated with year in review specials. I don't know if you watch them on TV, you may see them on the internet. All the 24-hour news services will trip all over themselves to try to figure out a way to recap the year. They'll talk about people, transitions that were made. Uh, this morning early, I saw a list of people that had passed away, both young and old, that were famous or people that people would know. Some people try to make predictions. In fact, in 1967, I was born back then, uh, experts predicted that by the turn of the century, technology would have taken over, over so much of our work that the average American work week would be about 22 hours long. That would be about the year 2000. That's what they were predicting. And we would only work 27 weeks a year. And of course, uh, one of our biggest problems would be deciding what to do with our leisure time. That did not happen for most of us. The question we must ask ourselves is not about last year and about our hits and misses. The question I want today for us to think about is, what do we do with this year? You can be somewhat uh, relaxed today. The Bible is more than just a book of advice. It's God's Word. We need to understand that our lives must be shaped and guided and led by what we take in as the Word of God, not just what Corbin or somebody else standing here gives us on a weekly basis, or not what the pastor that you listen to on a podcast gives you. It is what you devour and take in through your own eyes and your own mind and your own ears on a weekly basis and even on a daily basis. It's a very dangerous thing when we align ourselves not with the Word of God, but as Christians, we align ourselves with other Christians. How many of you know that that is a really dangerous thing to do? Because like water seeking its lowest level, a lot of times we'll look around and go, oh, hey, look, they're over there doing that. We'll just go over there and do that. Or hey, look at that. What they're, we'll, we'll talk like that or we'll act like that. And, and you are really putting yourself and your faith at real risk. Make sure the word of God is a big part of who you are this year. I'm not going to preach about resolutions. So everybody say amen to that. However, I'm going to talk about revolutions which is way more and way bigger than resolutions. My prayer has been, God, in my own life, I don't want another resolution. I want a revolution of your presence. There will be a lot of people smiling uh, next in the next couple of weeks, at least at the YMCA, I can tell you, because I've been on both sides of this. I've been a person who went faithfully for years, about five days a week. I've been a person who didn't go for about five years. I've been on both sides of it. But the people that are the faithful will, after the first of the year, about Thursday or Friday or next Monday, they'll look at these people that come in who have not been there in five years, and there'll be this sort of this inner, yeah, okay, here you are, we'll get off the machines, you're not going to be here longer than two weeks, because you've made a resolution. That's what they'll look. They're not going to be encouraging to you. So I want to read a couple verses from the Bible that I think will be very helpful. We're going to do, if you have Bibles, I hope you keep them open. I'm not going to mention that Bible app. Well, I guess I just did. Because I really want you to look at the Word of God, so I don't have the slide though. So here it is, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation and then from the Message Bible. Same verses. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. 
Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So now let's read that in Eugene Peterson's The Message. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the Master wants. These are the verses that I want to use as a foundation of what I say to you today. There are three calls, of course, that the Apostle Paul gives for us to use to grow spiritually. Let's just, let's just, let's just pray again. No, Corbin, pray. But Father, I just thank you for this opportunity. And I pray now that you would open our hearts and our ears and our minds. Let us hear, Lord, by your Spirit. Not my words, not my presence, not anything to do with me. Lord, speak through your Spirit to our hearts. Speak to my heart, I pray. In your name, amen. Well, the first thing we're to do is watch your step. We are to watch our step. That's right from the Scripture. Watch your step. We are to examine our life and what we are doing and where we are going and where we are headed. We must be very careful how we live. Our time on this earth is very limited. Paul says, be careful how you live. Or as I just read, watch your step. Use your head. The psalmist even wrote in Psalm 39, verse 4, he said, show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number, number of my days. Let me know how fleeting life is. How fleeting is my life. Now, I don't know if we all want to know that or not. Some people say, I'd like to know the exact day, time. I'd love to know it because I would maybe do things a little differently the closer it got. The psalmist also tells us to number our days so we'll develop a heart of wisdom. Most of us expect to live at least 70, maybe 80, maybe 90 years. Some people hit 100. But I can tell you, when you get to a certain age, I may or may not be there yet, but when you get to a certain age, you start processing life way differently. Thank you, Kevin. You, you process it because you are now thinking, you know what? I've lived longer than I'm going to live in the future. I've already put in so many days. Well, you know, I, I do get around on the internet every now and then, and of course you can find anything there. And so, you know, for, for quite a few years now, there's been something called uh, deathclock.org. Death-clock.org. Some of you are going to want to run out and do this. It calculates how many days, weeks, and months you've lived already, which that's factual. And then they are, uh, they are brave enough to say, this is about how long you're going to live. In fact, it's right down to the day. Of course, we know that's not true. To the day, and I think there's even a time given. You're going to die on whatever. Well, they don't know that. But I was fascinated to learn this. I was fascinated to learn that I have lived 21,439 weeks. I've lived 3,063 months. I have lived, or, or, or weeks, sorry, days. 21,000 days, 3,000 weeks, 715 months. In my life, I'm 58. Now, I went back. At first, my calculation said I was going to die sometime in May at the age of 88. And I felt pretty good about that. Well, that's like, hey, I got 30 years. And then I went back and I did a calculation again. And this time, for some reason, they picked up my what they thought my BMI, body mass index, was. And I don't think how they knew that. I have no idea. They just guessed it. And they took me all the way down to 77. So now I'm down to 18 years. It's not good. It is what it is. When I think the Apostle Paul is suggesting here is that you and I need a system to evaluate ourselves every day. I'm going to hit the highlights, and you can be thankful for this. 
I'm going to hit the highlights of an evaluation that a friend of mine developed. And there are 30, 30 topics to this evaluation. And I'm just going to hit a few. But I want to at least nudge you in the way of thinking. What, how, can I, how can I examine my life on a daily basis? How, how can I do this in light of the Scripture's admonition? This list, all 30, will be available uh, through life change, and I think small group leaders and others will have access to it. Ever, everybody can get access to it later today or tomorrow or this week. Let me just give you a few. So here's one: thankfulness. I'm going to. I'm now going to evaluate, or I'm going to. I'm going to think about my life. How thankful am I in? Here's the question: Am I in the habit of my life? It is the habit of my life to thank God and others for what they have done. I can honestly say I'm a thankful person. I often express my gratitude. That's one. How about this one? Gentleness. My life is free from all outbursts of selfish anger or rage. I am approachable, easily appealed, quiet in spirit, open to criticism. I don't get defensive when I'm corrected or rebuked. Anybody want to stop now? Humility. Here's another one. I do not have an inflated self-opinion and consistently considers others before myself. I have a teachable spirit. I avoid all bragging, name-dropping, and spiritual pride. You say, well, that's just some guy who made these lists. Every one of these 30 things are, are tied directly to a principle or a command of Scripture. But you don't know that unless you're taking the Bible in for yourself. Unless the Bible is shaping your life. Here, here's a couple more. Compassion. I search out opportunities to care for the needy, visit sick people, aid the elderly, visit prisoners, clothe the naked, house the homeless. My compassion is more than a feeling. It leads to action. I'm only going to do a few more. Forgiving. If there's an individual or a group of people who have hurt me in the past, I hold no resentment, bitterness, or grudges against them. I have fully forgiven everyone who's ever hurt me. That is a huge, huge one. And I don't think you just do that by just sitting down and saying, okay, I forget. It is a process. But it, it comes through healing and through prayer and through God and asking Him, God, heal my heart, heal my memories, help me with those so I can be forgiving, not forgetful, but forgiving. How about restoring? I hurt when sin overtakes another Christian, so I do not avoid or exclude them. I often get involved, humbly coming alongside to help them back to their feet spiritually. Here's another one, restitution. I know it feels like 30 already, but it's not. Restitution. If I, I mean, I haven't heard that talked about in years. And, and when I was young, they preached it. And so, you know, all those sins I committed as a kid, I had to go back and make them right. It's part of the Christian walk, restitution. If I've ever taken things which do not belong to me or hurt people by what I said or did, I have gone back and made restitution for everything God has prompted me to do so far. What a, what a, what a great examining question that is. Spiritual intimacy. I'll skip through that. How about truthfulness? I like this one. My yes is yes. My 10-point buck is actually a 10-point buck for you guys at home. I totally avoid half-truths, flattery, white lies, exaggeration. I practice absolute honesty in speech. Number 28, eye gate. I carefully guard what I allow to enter my mind through my eye gate. I avoid questionable movies, magazines, videos, TV shows, which could cause me moral problems. And then there's the last one, honesty. I tell the truth. I am honest with others and myself. In fact, I've been brutally honest in answering all these questions above. <laughs> That's the last one I'm giving you a heads up. 
I did not fudge any of the answers. I am this truthful and honest in my dealings. We are to be careful to watch our steps, to evaluate how we are living. Number two, according to the Scripture, we are to weigh our opportunities. I thought as we were singing those songs today, none of us know what 2020 holds. None of us have any idea. There will be ups, there will be downs. There will be highs, there will be lows. There will be laughter, there will be tears. There will be joy, there will be sadness. It's the way of life. And you and I will deal with those things, but how we deal with them, some of it will be because we have weighed the opportunities that are ahead of us. What are we going to do? How do we exercise good judgment? This is where I'm taking this from. Verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now all of us know we are granted 24 hours, 1,440 minutes of time every day. Never in the history of the world has mankind been plagued by so many, by so many choices. So many things to do with our time. We have our normal schedules. They include work and family and responsible things that we do. And then every one of us have a certain amount of time to decide what to do with. You know, one of the things I didn't bring with me up here today was my phone. <coughs> You might see me reach for it a lot. No, because it's always in my hand. It's not a good thing. I'm confessing that. I'm telling you this morning, you know, most of us don't look at our screen time, but most smartphones will allow you to see every day where we're living. So I did a little research for this message and, and found out that the average person, this is data as of 2019, the average person in America spends six hours, 42 minutes on the internet a day. That's almost seven hours. I'm not judging you. You may be listening to sermons the whole time. You may be using your Bible app six hours and 42 minutes. You know what that is? That's two whole days a week. That's a hundred days a year when you do the equivalent of time. And you may be able to handle that. I'm just saying, evaluate it. Make good choices. Weigh your opportunities. The trend is destroying precious time with family and others that threaten to have very long-term ramifications. I was sitting at a ball game recently and a young lady came to talk to her mother and I was watching. Her mom was doing this, you know, doing this, doing this, doing this. And the girl started into the story. She got about three sentences and her mom never looked up and she literally reached over and took her mom's face and moved it up. So she was looking at her. Now, now I, I live with girls and... You know, I don't know. I thought, well, how is she going to react to that? Because <laughs> maybe sometimes you need your phone as a distraction. You've got a bunch of girls around. I'll say that next service when they're here. <laughs> but it broke my heart for a minute because I thought, man, I don't know what grade that girl was in, but she's going to be gone the next two or three years. She's not going to be talking to you except over the phone or maybe occasionally stopping by. And, and I, it, just, it just hurt because she didn't really weigh the opportunity. It might be the phone. It might be other forms of media. I will go to my grave believing that it matters what you and I fill our mind and our heart with on a daily basis. What you let in through your eyes and your ears and what I let in through my eyes and ears profoundly affects my spiritual walk with God. You know, in Ephesians 4, the chapter before this one, it says, Grieve not 
the Holy Spirit of God. I'll let you do your research on that. And in fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, where I started in verse 15, if you want to get deeper into this message, go back and read the first 14 verses that lead us to where the apostle said the word so. Because when he said the word so, do this, so watch your steps, it's a reference to those first 14 verses. I'm not going to read them all to you, but it starts out with this. Imitate God in everything you do. That's enough right there to cause us to just like collapse. Imitate God in everything you do because your dear children live a life filled with love. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed, no coarse jokes, obscene stories, on and on and on it goes. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Carefully, listen to verse 10, carefully determine what the Lord pleases, what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. And he gets all the way through to verse 14. And then he says, so watch your step. Use your head. Weigh your opportunities. Manage your time. There was a man that was working on his computer at home. Just seemed so into it. His wife walked into the room. It was late. And she said, what's causing you to spend so much time looking at that computer tonight? And it was toward the new year. And he said, I'm making a list of things that I ought to do before I die. And then he had that very dry sense of humor, like I sometimes get accused of. And he said, I'm working on my ought to biography. Well, we need to all work on that. My ought to. I ought to do this. Weigh your opportunities. Only three of you got that. That's how dry my humor is. But I appreciate the three of you that did. Number three, want what God wants. Can you, I'm so hungry for that in my life. Going into 2020, going into today, going into tomorrow. I, I, I know it's my age, and I know if you're 20 or 30 or 40, you don't want to think about this, but Jesus is coming back. I believe it. I know I, I had that scared into me when I was a kid, and then you go through a period of time, like you know, after you've lived as a kid growing up, and you think, man, I'm never going to graduate from high school, I'm never going to get married. Jesus is coming back. I mean, this is going to happen, and it doesn't happen. Then you go through a period of like, I know it's going to happen, but I'm living my life, and now we're back to, He's coming back. <laughs> I don't know if it's today. I don't know if it's tomorrow. I think He's going to surprise a lot of people when He does. I want to be ready. I want to be watching. And I want what God wants. I want to embrace what God's doing. Three places you can do that. First is the church. The leadership of this church I do not speak for. But I know that God, they believe that God has called us to be the kind of church we are. We do not do the things that we do here just because it's trendy or the church up the road somewhere is doing it. I know that the leadership is constantly trying to understand what it means to share the gospel of Christ with the culture that we live in. And I know that we firmly believe that you cannot effectively share the message unless you are willing to make sacrifices along the way. Sometimes the way things are done. And you say, well, this church is not that way. Well, this church, it's, it's funny about that. Because I remember in the 80s, when the whole contemporary music revolution hit hard and, and people packed away the hymn books and they went to screen. Do you know that down the road there will come a time when a generation behind us will say, get ready for it. I don't want to sing with those screens. How impersonal is that? 
They may even say, where, where did the hymn books go? Let's, 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 let's revisit it. And then the baby boomers will get all bristly and well, we fought for this and we did this. And the, and the millennials will say, I don't want any of that. I'm tired of looking at screens. I've grown up with screens. Let's make it real. Let's make it personal. What are you going to do then? You see, it just comes. It's a cycle. So find out what God wants us to do as Christians, as a church, more than just being consumers. It's not about what we like. It's not about what makes us happy and comfortable. It's not about rating the music or rating the preaching or evaluating the child care or the youth ministry and on and on. And God, like we, we are so consumer driven. We should be simply finding out what God is doing and where He wants us to do it through His church and be willing to give up our trinkets and toys and go where God is going. I call on us to embrace what God is doing. You say, well, I just don't like everything. Well, you're not going to like it at the next place either. May God help us to do what He wants us to do as a church. Secondly, it's knowing what God wants from you in the world. God is busy around the world. And I'm not upset at Americans, but really we are, we are some of the least, least knowledgeable people, for the most part, Christians, when it comes to what God is doing around the world. I pray every day, God, expand my worldview not talking about getting involved more deeply in a church or denominational mission program, not that at all, but maybe that's what God calls you to do. But I'm talking about a personal awareness of the world that we live in. A personal awareness of how God is moving around the world and what He is doing while the church in America, not every church, but a lot of churches are dying, dying, and don't even know it. They're going through the motion Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. It's a personal awareness of needs and what breaks the heart of God around the world and what He may want you and I to do about it. I really think most of us think that somehow in America we're still the brightest and the best of the world. But you know, right? You know that's not the truth anymore. You know, you know that our kids are overdosing on video games and, 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 and learning that instead of even learning to read. We are overstimulated by entertainment. Think nothing of doing whatever it takes to ensure that we keep our neat little American dream alive. The fact is that everybody on this earth was created by God and God is moving where people are responding to Him. By the way, some of those places that are the, 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 the epicenter of Christianity today in the southern hemisphere and in, in the continent of Africa, those are also the places where the persecution is the highest. I mean, pardon me for this, but God didn't call us to be sissies. That's probably not correct to say it that way. It's just not what He called us to be. I'm talking about praying and seeking God's forgiveness and pardon on behalf of a country gone awry. You say, well, I try to pray. I don't have anything. I pray for this person and that person. And, and I'm kind of done in five minutes. Let Become so aware of what's happening in your world that you have a prayer list that includes the families of 11 men killed on Christmas Day in Nigeria. That's, that's minuscule compared to what happens on an annual basis around the world. Christians are being slaughtered. Churches are being bombed. I mean, it's out of our minds because the media doesn't report it for the most part. We don't know about it. We don't care about it. We might want to care, but we don't care because we have our life. I'm not trying to make you feel good. I'm just saying there is more to life. Want what God wants for the world. 
I watched the video, not of the beheadings, but I watched the video of those 11 men shortly before they died, and one man was their spokesman. I looked at every one of their faces as he's appealing to the president of Nigeria, and he's appealing to the Christian world, help us if you can, help us if you can. I listened to him say, when we got to this this place of imprisonment, there were aid workers here from, from America, health workers, and we watched them one by one be executed right in front of us. If you can help us, help us. And I, and I knew by the time I watched it that they were already dead. They were killed on Christmas. And now I'm thinking, God, where, where, what, what's going on with their family? A friend of mine used to be the regional director for a denomination in the whole continent of Africa. And he literally would come to America, not to be a smart like, but he would come to America with his laptop and he would talk to young people on colleges, college campuses who would approach him and say, he was quite a, a great godly man, but they'd approach him and say, man, we want to do missions. We want to, man, we want to come to Africa. And he pulled his laptop and he'd say, this pastor was beheaded last week. This pastor's family home was burnt down. This is what you come where God is blessing. So, so upside down, but that's God. That's the way it works. Philip Jenkins said Christianity is flourishing wonderful among the poor and persecuted while it atrophies among the rich and the secure. I'm not saying pray for persecution. I'm not saying pray for that. But just I thought as we were singing the songs, Lord, how much more meaningful, as good as those songs were, if we get in 2020 and somebody puts a gun to your head and says, I want you to switch from Christianity to some other religion, you're going to want those words in your head. You're going to want the Scripture inside of you that will pour forth and God's Spirit will come upon you in those days and you'll be able to stand stronger than you ever could think you could. One man prayed, let my heart be broken for the things that break the heart of God. So God may be calling us to step up into greater involvement in ministry. It may be in the church. It may be outside the church in the world. The two greatest enemies of time are the regret for things we did in the past and anxiety about the future. Just just do it. You know, we wish things away. I wish it were. I wish it were next week. I wish it was next month. Little kids say, I wish this day were over at school. I mean, I wish, I wish, I wish. Look at these verses. Romans 13. This is also from the Message Bible. Make sure, and you can see it on the screen, make sure you don't get self-absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations. That you lose track of time and doze off oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work He began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around and dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed. Get dressed. Don't loiter and linger. Waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. That's about the best call I can give you on a Sunday before New Year's. Someday we'll have the opportunity to present ourselves before God. We'll have the chance to show Him what we have done. And, and what a time that will be. When we stand before Him, He is loving, He is holy, He is gracious, and He is just. And we'll give an account to Him what we've done with our lives. I'll tell you what He'll not be looking for. He won't be looking for beauty. He won't be looking for medals. He won't be looking for degrees or diplomas. He'll look for scars. Scars that you got serving in His army. Serving the Lord on this planet full of pain and full of hurt. 
I've been deeply challenged in my own life in the last few years, but especially in this year and going into 2020. I say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I mean, I do ministry on a full-time basis in an organization, but beyond all that, as a Christian, God, there's got to be more than me just showing up here and listening to Corbin preach. What, what do you want me to do? What, what, what do you want me to do? I mean, I've been challenged in this very building. Sometimes it comes from our lead pastor, but a couple times, a couple times, I'll never forget the Sunday, and some of you were here, some of you were not, when Carolyn and Tony McAllister stood in front of us on a Sunday. And they talked about foster children. And they talked about how they loved these kids. And they talked about how God helped them to love these kids. And how they made sure that they learned about Jesus. There's nothing flashy about those two. They're just good people. And I can tell you what I felt sitting right back there that day. We didn't do it, but I'll guarantee you if if the altars would have opened up, most of us would have been down here praying, saying, oh God, break my heart. What breaks your heart? And I'm not here to blow people's horns, and none of them knew I was going to do this, but I get on on Facebook and I, I look at the testimonies of Jeremy North and the things that he's doing with people on a weekly basis that are broken. And it breaks me. Because it's more than just coming to church and taking in a good sermon and trying to beat the church down the street to lunch and then going on with our day and our week. and and and, and It's got to be more. One man said it this way, I would never want to preach or reach out someday with soft, uncallous hands to a hand worn by serving and shake the nail-pierced hand of Jesus. The African bishop, Desmond Tutu. Two stories and I'll close. The African bishop Desmond Tutu was once asked why he became an Anglican rather than joining some other denomination. And he lived, he lived in South Africa in the days of apartheid when a black person and a white person met while walking on a footpath or a sidewalk. The black person was expected to step into the gutter to allow the white people to pass and nod their head as a gesture of respect. That was part of apartheid. One day Tutu said, I was a little boy and I was walking with my mom and we were walking down the street and this tall white man dressed in a black suit came toward us and before my mother and I could step off the sidewalk as was expected, this man stepped off the sidewalk. And as my mother and I passed, he tipped his hat to us in a, in a, in a gesture of respect for her and he said, I was, I was shocked. I'd never seen that happen. And I asked her, why did that man do that? My mother said he's an Anglican priest. He's a man of God. That's why he did it. Tutu said in the interview, from that moment on in my heart, I wanted to be an Anglican priest and I wanted more to be a man of God. You see, God makes a difference when we let Him into our life 100%. As a young couple boasted to all their friends and neighbors, they were flying to New York City. They, they were only going to be able to spend one day there. But the highlight of their trip, they told everybody, we're going to see the Broadway play My Fair Lady. They were so proud of it. It was a little tiny town. Nobody had ever been to New York City. Nobody had ever been to Broadway. And, and they told everybody, we're going to see this play. And the day came. They arrive in New York. They take a taxi. The only problem is they didn't get their tickets ahead of time. And it was completely sold out. And, and they were like, what are we going to do? We, 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 we have to do it tonight. There's no way in. Everybody knows that we came. 
We, we don't dare tell them that we didn't when we get back, so they found a couple of ticket stubs on the sidewalk. And they picked them up and they, they bought a program that described the various acts of the plays and they went home and they were singing, I could have danced all night and, and they told everybody how great it was, my fair lady. They had the ticket stubs, they had the program, they had even been to the theater, they knew the music, but the trouble is they never saw the performance. There are a lot of people in churches that sort of live that way. We come to church, we have the bulletin, we know the music but we never go out and really do it. And that's what my prayer is. God, help us to live in a way. Look at these lastly. Examine ourselves and ask God to search us and examine our life. Exercise. Ask God to give you a sensitivity to the Spirit's voice. And then embrace what God wants us to do and wants us to know. Ask Him to allow you to be part of His story. Let's pray. Father, we hunger for You. Thank You for this church. Thank You for those who lead. Thank You for all the things that You are doing. I pray Your blessing in this coming year upon the leadership and the people who make decisions. But Lord, beyond them and beyond what they do, I pray for Your, for your calling in all of our lives that You will expand our minds and our hearts and our souls. Until really the Sunday mornings, as good as they are, will be so little of what we do. It's, it's really what you're doing in our lives every day of the week. Where we work, where we live, where we play. Lord, we ask you for that. We ask you for that today. It's in your name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.